Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue on this morning with the series we've been talking about, Contagious Christianity. And if I can get some help from some people, I've got some handouts here again. Where is my right-hand person, Sam? There we go. And Asnath, thank you. I'll give you those ones. I'll give you those ones. Just hand them all out. Um, Adults all get one. Teenagers all get one. Kids should be in Sunday school. And John does not need one because he's not in Sunday school, nor can he write yet. Nor does Jonathan. There he is. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So we're going to continue on with this. I don't know if you remember what we spoke about two weeks ago, because obviously we had some... um, we had turning point in between that, amen. But um, let me see. Put your, put your hands up if you did your homework from two weeks ago. One person, two persons, good. I'm really, that's great, Karen. That's awesome. Proud of you. The homework was you had to write down who was on your impact list. Remember that? People who you felt, these are people I reckon I could impact with the gospel. We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about being contagious Christians. Amen. And it's this idea that we are a church that wants to reach our world. Amen. Try that again. We are a church that wants to reach our world. Amen. It's our vision. We want to reach. We want to make. We want to belong. We want to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to make disciples. We want to create a community where people belong. Amen. And so what we're talking about over this series is this idea of, well, how do we reach people? And the idea of the impact list, which was your homework, was to write down six people who you spend time with who you can impact with the gospel. Ideal candidates are people that you go to school with. People who you go to work with every day. People who you spend time. Contacts that you've made in the community. I've got hundreds and hundreds of contacts in the community. All at different stages of working on them to see if I can get them to come to the Lord. Amen? And so we had to do that impact list. The other thing I asked you to do was I handed out that sheet of paper which had the evangelism style questionnaire. Did anyone do that? Awesome. Well done, Kara. Okay, so my homework for you this week is to do homework from two weeks ago. All right? If you need me to give you another handout, let me know. I'll give it to you. And um, let's get that done. Amen? Because we're going to need to talk about that a little bit later today. Praise the Lord. Okay, so two weeks ago, we talked about how a person's coming to Christ is like a chain with many links. Every single one of us are a part of that chain. We are all responsible to reach our world. It's not any one person. It's all of us, amen. Every single one of us are responsible for reaching our world with the gospel. And when someone comes to the Lord, they might know you, but then they'll get to know other people and other people in the church. And they might have other conversations with other Christians who don't even come to our church. But every single one of them is like a link in a chain bringing that person to know the Lord. We spoke about this two weeks ago. And so God has not called us to be the last link. He's just called us to be a link in the chain, to be willing to put our hand up and say, yes, Lord, I want you to use me. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need to intentionally partner with other Christians. 
linking our strengths and our abilities in order to lead people to Christ. So every single one of us has unique abilities and talents. Amen? And God has put us together for a purpose. Every single person that is here today is here for a reason. For a cause, God has called us into fellowship and communion together with the idea that we are to reach our world. Amen. So that was two weeks ago, a bit of a recap. But today we're going to move on and I want to give you an equation for evangelism in your, in your handouts now. Now, was there any of those handouts left over or did we give them all away? Has everybody got a handout? Some people missed out. Okay. I will have to... I'll have to maybe just share with someone and I'll print out some more afterwards. I printed out 30 last week and I had a few left over. So I printed out 30 this week and I don't have any left over. So in your notes, you'll see this. An equation for evangelism. Everyone say HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Who liked algebra when they were in school? I kind of liked it when it worked out. I liked it when you'd go all the way down and you'd get to the answer you want. I was like, yes. But then when it didn't work out, it really frustrated me. <laughs> but we don't have algebra. We've just got a very simple equation. In your notes now, everyone get ready to write. HP equals high potency. Everyone say high potency. CP equals close proximity. Everyone say close proximity. CC equals clear communication. Everyone say clear communication. And what do we get when we have high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication? We have maximum impact. Everyone say maximum impact. Now I know you're sitting there going, oh pastor, you don't have scripture for this, but I do. And it should be in your notes. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It's a question. Jesus is, can you make it useful? No, you can't. It is to be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Does everyone say salt? You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead... Put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone say salt. Everyone say light. We are to be salt and light in the world. Amen. Now, what does salt do? In your notes now. Salt makes us thirsty. Have you ever wondered why? When you go to McDonald's and you get, I'm going to call them fries because I don't want anyone else to know what I'm talking about. When you get fries, have you ever wondered why they put so much salt on them? Because they want you to buy a drink. Salt makes you thirsty, amen? Salt enhances food by adding flavor. Have you ever had one of those dishes that are just bland? And you put some salt on it, and it makes it taste so much better. Salt is used to preserve food. 
Back in, the, back in the days before refrigeration, when people would go on those long voyages across the, across the globe, they would pack a lot of meat, but they would pack it in salt so that it wouldn't go, wrong, go, go off. It would, it would preserve it. So salt preserves food. So what did Jesus mean when he told us that we are the salt of the earth? We don't really know exactly what he meant, but we can talk about salt. And what we know about salt is that salt must have high potency and be in close proximity to have an effect. Are you with me so far? If salt has lost its flavor, it doesn't matter how much you put on the food. It's not going to change the taste. It's got to be high potency. Amen. And if you leave the salt sitting on the shelf while you're cooking and you taste your food and it's bland, you can't say, well, the salt is still here. It's in the same room. No, you've got, it's got to be in close proximity to your food. You've got to put it in. So salt has to have high potency and salt has to be in close proximity. Proximity, And both of these components are necessary if we want to be the salt of the earth and if we want to have an impact on our friends. Amen. We have to have high potency. We have to be in close proximity. Everyone say salt. Now, what do high potency Christians look like? Everyone say high potency. High potency Christians have three essential traits. The first one is authenticity. The second is compassion. And the third is sacrifice. And we'll talk about each of these in just a second. Everyone say authenticity. Everyone say compassion. Everyone say sacrifice. These are the three ingredients to a high-potency Christian. Now, what qualities in other people bother you the most? They did a survey a little while ago, and the answer that came back from most people is that the quality that bothers people the most is when people are dishonest. But particularly when they are what we would say two-faced, when they're being hypocritical. They're saying, I'm this, but you know, their life doesn't show that. Right, this speaks to authenticity, doesn't it? You know, an example of this is that um, during the Gulf War, there's a story that's told. Uh, back in 1991, a, uh, a private walked into the tent of a colonel. Right, the colonel's higher than the private. And uh, the colonel saw the private come in, so he quickly grabbed the phone, picked it up, and said, Oh, yes, 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 general. Yes, no, I agree. I think that's an excellent strategy. No, absolutely, yeah. Let's, let's send a battalion of tanks to the east. You know what, General? I think we should also do air support, and I think we should send that in from the south. And I think if we do that, we're going to break. Yes, General, okay, I'll make it happen. No worries. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. Hung up the phone. The private is sitting there waiting at attention to speak to the colonel. The colonel turns to the private and barks and says, What do you want, private? And the private says, Sir, I'm here to fix your telephone up. It's not working. Dishonest. Right? Not authentic. 
The colonel was trying to make himself look like I'm really important. I'm talking to the general. You're just a private. What are you here? And the private's there knowing the whole time. That phone's not working because I'm here to fix it. Right? High potency Christians are authentic. Amen. So how are we authentic? We need to have authentic identity. We cannot repress our God-given uniqueness in order to appear more spiritual. Now, what does that mean? See, here's the thing. The church is made up of lots of different people, right? Now, I'm quite loud, aren't I? Others are more quiet. But that doesn't mean I need to make myself more quiet so I look like I'm more spiritual. And that doesn't mean if you're quiet, you need to make yourself loud so you look more spiritual. But we should allow God to use us exactly how He's gifted us. Amen? Because we are unique individuals. And we spoke about this in our last series. We need to live an authentic emotional life. We don't try to deny or Christianize our feelings in order to appear more spiritual. Now, this this takes so many forms. You know, like... You're walking into work and you stub your toe on the door ledge. And someone says, oh, are you okay, mate? One of your work colleagues. Oh, yes, yes, I'm okay. The devil is out to get me. The devil made me trip. No, 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 no. You're trying to Christianize it too much. You go, cuckoo, bananas, right? At the same time, sometimes the answer is, yes, we need to pray more. Yes, we need to fast more. Yes, we need to read our Bible more. But understand what is spiritual and what is secular. Amen. And don't mix them. Live an authentic emotional life. We need to have authentic confession. These are areas in how we are unique. Uh, sorry, authentic rather. Authentic confession. We need to deal honestly with our failures as people. Put your hands up if you've ever failed. Well, that's about 60% of us that are honest. Because <laughs> I think everybody has failed at least once in their life. But the problem is, is that the culture of this world tends to shift blame, doesn't it? We do something wrong, oh, it's not my fault. You know, such and such let me down and they weren't here. And, and, but as authentic Christians, we need to take responsibility for our failures. You know, put my, that, that was my fault. I'm sorry. You know, I let you down there, boss. That's my fault. That's authentic that's being real, amen? See, here's the thing. Sinners are too smart to expect perfection from Christians. When people walk through the door, they're not expecting us to be perfect, but they do want us to be honest, amen? Because if they come in here and we're just presenting this perfect image, they're going to know we're not telling them the truth. They're not stupid. They know that nobody's perfect, Amen? So authentic confession, and we need to have authentic conviction. Sinners are not impressed by spinelessness. We need to stand up for what we believe in. Amen? We need to stand up for what we believe in. You know, how, how, how often has anyone ever, you've gone to work on Monday morning, and someone says, how was your weekend? And you say, oh yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, really? What did you do? Oh, well, um, oh, yeah, uh, um, uh, yeah, just hung out with some friends. 
That's not standing up for what you actually did on the weekend, is it? When people ask me, what did you do on the weekend? I say, man, I had a great weekend. What did you do? I was in church on Sunday. It was fantastic. We had a great time of worship. The preaching was amazing. Right? Standing up, being proud to be a Christian. The Bible says that Paul, sorry, Paul wrote and said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Right? When people ask me, I was playing, playing squash with someone on Friday night. I'm still a little sore. But he asked me, he said, what are you doing on the weekend? I said, well, Saturday I'm, I'm hanging out with some friends and I'm going to spend Saturday night studying. And then on, on Sunday I've got church. You know, I'm a pastor, right? So I've got church on Sunday, so I'm going to spend. But I'm, putting, I'm just being who I am. I'm not trying to hide behind some image that, you know, hides who I am. We need to have an authentic conviction about what we believe in and what we stand for. Amen? So we need to be authentic. The other thing that makes us high potency is compassion. Everyone say compassion. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. The compassion that he showed to the man lying on the side of the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Commonly known as the love chapter. In your notes you will see that you've got a compassion scale there. I want you to right now grade yourself. Where do you fit on the compassion scale? Not where you're hoping to be, not where you were in the past. Where are you right now? And you can't use number five. You can't pick in the middle. Okay, so if you pick number five, cross it out. You've got to be either side of number five. You can't be in the middle. All right, where do you fit? On the compassion scale. Don't worry, that's just for you to look at. I'm not going to ask you to hand your, hand your paperwork in so I can have a look at it. Where do you fit on the compassion scale? You see, I think compassion is something that we struggle with sometimes. And, and here's, some, here's some things that are, are what we call common compassion busters. Number one, where you live. You know, have you ever, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing the earthquakes that happened in Haiti. Do you remember that? Back in Haiti, like, it must have been about two or three years ago, and, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people died. And, and I look at that, and, and it affects me on some level, but it doesn't affect me as much as, say, someone in here passing away, because I'm, I'm closer. This is where I live. Now, I'm not saying we should just ignore that. I'm saying we need to work on, okay, well, I need to feel some compassion for this. I need to feel like, man, this, this is painful. This is not nice, right? But it's a fact of life that where we live, the closer these things happen to us, the more compassion we'll feel. Another, another thing in, in our culture in particular, I think, that, that blocks compassion is how we live. How we live. You know, we have, we have time pressures, we're busy people. We've always got things going on and things happening. And, and, and it can be hard to really stop and, and feel empathy for somebody else who's going through something. Amen. I think also that, you know, with today's society and, and the news that we read, and I think we get emotional fatigue sometimes. It's just a constant flow of this person died. This tragedy's happened. This person was killed. This shooting happened. It's just, it's constant. And, and if we're not careful, we, we allow our emotional response to become deadened to that. And as a result, we become hardened and we, we can lose our compassion sometimes. 
I think sometimes how we give can lead to a lack of compassion. When you are invested into something, you feel more for it. When you are giving sacrificially to, for, for some purpose or some cause, when, when something happens, it, it affects you a lot more, doesn't it? And I think also what we've received can also be a compassion buster. You know, we, we, we get so used to just living for God and, and living in our own lives. Sometimes we, we need to go back to that, that moment in time when we first came to God. And God dealt with our heart. And, and we felt that, that flood of grace as the Lord forgave us as we sought repentance. Right? And so sometimes we, we just get distant from that point. And it's, it's good, you know, the Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. Sometimes it's, it's good to just, I'm not saying dwell in the past, but just remember where we came from. And look at the journey that God has brought us on. And when you see someone else beginning that journey or struggling with that journey, it will help breed compassion in your heart. Amen? Compassion. The other third part of what makes a high-potency Christian. The first one was authenticity. The second one was compassion. And the third one was sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. There are three things in your notes. Three things that we sacrifice. The first one is the sacrifice of time. If you want to be a high-potency Christian, you're going to have to sacrifice time. And I'm not talking about, well, I just come to church on Sunday. But a high-potency Christian who wants to make a difference on that impact list, they have to invest time with the people on that impact list. You see the importance of that impact list? Because now you've got to stop and look at it and go, well, hang on. I put this person on my impact list, but how much time have I invested in that person? Am I able to spend some more time with them? Amen. We'll talk more about that in a bit. The sacrifices of resources. What would you be willing to sacrifice to see that person come to the Lord? And this is why compassion is important because when you look at your impact list, you might have a work colleague on there and you might be sitting there thinking, well, what would I sacrifice to bring that person to the Lord? Now stop and think, what if it was your child on that impact list? What would you sacrifice to see your child back in the Lord, living for God. You see, this is where compassion is important because where there is great compassion, there is great sacrifice as well. You know, I consider my family and, and I would take a bullet for either of them. I would gladly step up and sacrifice for either of them, no matter the cost, if it meant they could be saved. Right? This is why compassion and sacrifice work together. Because when compassion is there, sacrifice will come as well. What are you willing to sacrifice of your resources? Are you willing to take someone out for coffee? Are you willing to take them out for dinner? Are you willing to give of your time? Resources. <clears throat> and then the last one, the other sacrifice is a sacrifice of lifestyle. We are to live a lifestyle that backs up our words to prove to cynics that our Christianity is not just the latest fad. You, know, you look, at, look at some of these and, and 
bless the Lord. If they are living for God, that's fantastic. And I wish them all the best. But you look at people who are, who are celebrities. And they, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm living for God. But the, the lifestyle just, it just doesn't quite add up, does it? They're not living different. You know, and, and you've got to understand that if you want to be a high-potency Christian, there's got to be some sacrifices to your lifestyle. That might mean you're not going to be able to go out and party with the boys like you used to go out and party with the boys. That might mean you might not be able to go out to, and go drinking and clubbing with everybody else. Because you've got to make that sacrifice if you want to be a high-potency Christian. If you want to make a difference in the lives of these people on the impact list, you have to be different in your lifestyle. Hello? Anyone there? Praise the Lord. We have to be willing to have a sacrifice in our lifestyle. Amen. There is going to come a time in your life where you will be faced with a choice. And you need to make sure you make the right choice. Because if you make the wrong choice, you will dilute that salt. And you won't have high potency anymore. You know, you'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Really? When was the last time you went to church? Oh, about, you know, five months ago because, you know, I was just, I'm so busy with work and I've got so much on my plate and, and I'm building a castle and it's in the sand. Hello? High potency. So high potency Christians are those that are authentic, those that have compassion and those that are willing to sacrifice. Now, that's the high potency. Let's move on to the next part of our evangelism equation, which is close proximity. We need to have close proximity relationships with people. The most potent salt in the world has absolutely no effect unless it comes into contact with something. Amen? It has no effect unless it comes into contact with something. How do we know this? Look at Jesus. Where did Jesus spend all of his time? He spent it with the sinners. He spent it with the outcasts. The religious elite were looking at him going, come on, Jesus, what are you hanging out with them for? But no, Jesus spent it with people who needed him. The Bible said that Jesus said that the whole have no need of a physician. I'm not come to call the whole. I'm come to call the sick. Right? Jesus spent time with the down and outs. Jesus spent time with the rejected. Jesus spent time with the sinners. Jesus spent time with the people who were worthless in society's eyes. Because he wanted to have an impact. So what are some barriers to building relationships? I think one thing. Now let me just... I'm just, I'm just I'm speaking from my heart here this morning. I think one problem that churches often have is we misinterpret Scripture sometimes. We get so caught up in church, in living our lives for God, that we forget that in here, all the salt is wasted. The salt has to be out there. And, 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 and the scripture that I, I think some people maybe don't quite understand is this idea that I am in the world, but not of this world. And we kind of say it like, you know, I'm something special. So I need to keep myself separated from everything else out there. Can I tell you, that's not really what the Bible's talking about. 
We need to be in the world, or in other words, we need to be having an impact out there. We cannot just leave ourselves in here and think we're going to make a difference in the world. We won't. God, look, God will send people to our church. He will. He will send people to our church. There will be people who are hungry who will search for a church and they'll find our website and they'll come and visit and they'll love our church and they'll stay. But the greatest impact that the church will have is not through the website. The greatest impact the church will have is not through Facebook. The greatest impact the church will have is when the people who are in the church take the gospel out of the church and begin to make a difference in the lives of people. We are called to be in the world, not separated, completely isolated with no impact on it. We're called to be in the world. Friendship with the world means the system, not the people. Friendship with the world means the culture. When the Bible says you can't have friendship with the world, it's not talking about the people. It's talking about the system, about the culture, about the, the, the attitudes that's on display. But we need to have people out there that we are friends with, that we are looking to influence. Amen? Amen. That's the first thing. Biblical issues that are barriers to building relationship. I think the next barrier to building relationship is spiritual danger. And here's the thing. Because I think sometimes you can go too far. Well, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm not, by the way. But I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I want to reach people for the Lord. So I'm going to go sit in the pub, and I'm going to try and reach some people. That's just dangerous, right? You're dealing with something that you struggled mightily with before you came to the Lord. Amen? And so you need to learn to know yourself. Know that there are some situations where you might be weaker. Because we are to be the influencer, not the influencee. Amen. We are to influence people around us, not let their worldly system and ideas influence us. Amen. We're to be salt and light. Amen. High potency. Close proximity. The other barrier that can build relationships is this idea of risking your reputation. Well, I'm a good person. I don't want to be seen with those sorts of people. I don't want to be seen in that environment. I don't want to look like that or sound like that. But, but think about Jesus. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 34, Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. Why? Because he was hanging out with the gluttons and the drunkards. Hello? Jesus did not worry about what other people thought of his reputation. His only thought was, I need to reach people while I'm here. I need to make an impact on people's lives. Amen? And so Jesus was willing to ruin his reputation. I think the other barrier to building relationships is personal discomfort. It's not easy sometimes sharing our relationship with God with each other or with one another, with people out there. It's not easy going back sometimes to an old environment to visit. Right? Think about it. To go back to an area where you maybe used to struggle with a little bit, but now you're, you're back in that kind of area again because you're trying to reach somebody. 
This is where you got to know yourself, amen? So personal discomfort. So what are some barrier-breaking solutions in your notes now? Throw a Matthew party. No, that's not at Brother Matthew's house, okay? A Matthew party. Anyone heard of a Matthew party before? Nobody? It's okay. I hadn't heard of it either until I started studying it. <laughs> in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, I think it is actually in the book of Matthew, the Bible tells us that Matthew, remember Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew invited a bunch of his tax collector friends, people who society had rejected, he invited them over to his house to meet Jesus. So a Matthew party is simply that. Chuck a barbecue on at your house. Invite some people who aren't in church, who don't know God. Invite them to come over and hang out. This is something I'd love to see our connect groups do. Right? Have a, have a connect group where, where on maybe one night, instead of having our connect group, we have a barbecue. And everyone invites a friend. Hey, come along. We're going to have a barbecue. Why? Because it gets them in contact with other Christians. Amen. And our witness can be shared. A Matthew party. It's a great way to build relationships. What else? Involve others in your everyday activities. What do you do every day that you can involve others in? For those of you with kids, Sister Janie will tell you, she used to take Jonathan to um, playgroup. And she took Jonathan to playgroup for two reasons. One, so he can have some fun and play. But two, so she could meet other mothers and talk to them and build a relationship with them. It's just an everyday activity. For me, I like to play squash now after 15 years. But I'm going to involve other people that I know who aren't in church and say, hey, come play squash with us. It's not threatening. I'm not telling them they need to commit to the Lord and pay tithes from now on. Right? I'm building a relationship with them. But it's just an everyday activity. Amen? Praise the Lord. Most importantly, and this is the most important, if I could underline, underline this, is you have to be yourself. Be yourself. Amen? Now, the six styles of evangelism. I'm going to skip over this part because we're running out of time this morning. And I think like only one person has done the homework. So please, can you do that this week for me? Because I want to come back to it and talk about this because it's important. But high potency, close proximity. That's the salt part of the equation, amen. The CC, clear communication. This is the light part of the equation. What does light do? Light makes things visible. It helps us see things for what they really are. And in the biblical sense, light means illuminating God's truth to others in a way that is attractive and a way that is clear. We are to clearly communicate, amen? And this is the clear communication part of our equation. And so our light cannot be covered up. We need to be clear about what we believe in, what we teach what we stand for, the kind of people we are, amen. Our light cannot be covered up or people will be left guessing what makes us different. People at work know that I'm different. Sometimes they say I'm different. Sometimes they say I'm a little weird. But they know why I'm different. They know why I'm a little weird. 
I'm a pastor. They know that. We need to be equally clear with the people on our list so they know who we are. They know who we stand for. We cannot hide our light under a bushel, like Jesus said. We're to put it on a hill so everyone can see it. Amen. Praise the Lord. To achieve maximum impact. Everyone say maximum impact. We need to have all three parts of the evangelism equation. We need to have high potency. We need to have close proximity. We need to have clear communication. And if we have all three of those, we will have maximum impact in our world. Amen. And that's what we want. Amen.